welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. I think it's a principle in Scripture where we are encouraged to look back um, at what God has done in, in our lives and the encounters that we've had in the history with them, there's a principle, and I am going to be sharing a few uh, verses about that. There's also this principle of looking forward with anticipation, with excitement about what God uh, has got for us in the future as well. So it's looking back um, to encourage us and to celebrate the, the wins, and it's also looking forward with anticipation as well. And this principle is seen right throughout Scripture. The first one is 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26, and if you want to get the notes this morning, you can just go on to the Bible app and, and find us there. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you are wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. And then it goes on to say that that many of us were broken, many of us were lost, many of you, us were considered nobodies. And that's how we were when God first found us and when God first save us, saved us. I think a lot of us, we would admit that if it wasn't for Jesus invading our lives, we probably wouldn't be here this morning or our lives would be a lot more of a mess. And it's sometimes so good to remember what it was like and to remember how God rescued us and saved us. And that verse goes, rescued us from that pit and set our feet on a rock and put a, a new song in our hearts. It's good to remember that because sometimes we can forget it, really how bad it was, how lost and broken we were before Jesus came into our lives. What about the cross in Luke 22 verse 19? Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then He broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me or do this to remember me. Uh, Jesus, just before He went to the cross, He broke bread with His disciples that symbolised His body bring, being broken so our brokenness could be healed, we could be made whole. And, he, and the wine represented His blood that was gonna be spilled for us that would wash all of our sin away. And Jesus said, do this to remember me. Look back at the power of the cross. How once we were so broken and now He's healed us and, and all that pain and regret and that sin and that, that mess in our lives, He washed our sins away. It's so good to remember that. And, and Jesus said, you guys have got to do this regularly because sometimes it's so easy to forget. Revelation 2 verse 4 and 5. But I have this complaint against you. It's, it's one of the churches uh, in the book of Revelation. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Some Bible translations say, look how far you've fallen from your first love. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Sometimes it's really important to look back uh, when we first got saved and we first had those encounters with Jesus. We first got filled with the power of God. And, and we were so passionate for Him, nothing else mattered. We would go to every church service we could. We would serve everywhere we could because we were so zealous for Jesus. It's a song um, I remember. Um, how, are we still like that? And Jesus is 
warning us in a loving way, look at the distance between what you were like and maybe what you are now, because it's so easy to become cynical and and burdened down with the pressures of the world to become complacent in in our hearts. No, we can, even, we can be Christians and still be carnal. We can still be going to church and be backslidden in our hearts. And the Bible says to, to think about what it was like and turn back to and pursue how you were like with Jesus during those times. Uh, in the Old Testament especially, a lot of people set up memorials when God did incredible things in their lives. They would set up a physical memorial. When, when Jacob had that incredible encounter with God in the desert, he said, this is none other than the house of God. He had that vision of the angels ascending and descending. And he set up a memorial so that whenever he traveled that way again, he would remember the encounter that he had with God. And be encouraged in Genesis 28 verse 22, once he's finished this memorial. And this memorial pillar I've set up will become a place for worshipping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. God encounters us throughout our lives. And we need to cherish those times and look back on those times and celebrate those times. So that we can be encouraged in the now, what about looking forward to Jesus' return? Hebrews 9, verse 27, 28. And just as each person is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, he still sort of says that in passing, but that's a big deal right there. So also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for Him. Are we looking forward to the return of Christ? And are we really eagerly awaiting the re- His return? 2 Peter 3.13, we are looking forward. So we're looking back and celebrating and we're looking forward in anticipation. We are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. So there's this principle right throughout Scripture of looking back to be encouraged and, and looking forward to be spurred on as well. But, but we can sort of get out of balance with this, especially uh, if we are in a time in our lives right now where maybe we're dry, maybe it hasn't turned out the way we thought life was going to turn out, and we start to spend a lot more time in the past that we, than we really should, especially when it's like the good old days. You know when people are young, they never talk about the good old days? It's only when you get old, you start looking back, then you talk about the good old days. But it can be a temptation when your heart now is no longer in the now. Your heart is back to the good old days when, when you had that incredible breakthrough in your life or when you had those incredible memories and life was a lot better and you can really live with a whole lot of grief on your life now because your heart is back in the past. And then on the other flip side, we can spend too much time in the future as well. Uh, when the next move of God happens, I can't wait for that revival to hit Whangarei. And I just, I'm living for those days. And, and when that happens, then I will. And we can spend too much time in the future, but we got to remember something. In the past and the future, there is this chunk of time which is called the now. And if we spend too much time in the past, and if we spend too much time in the future, we are only ever going to be half alive. Because there is this incredible gift every single one of us has got. It's called the now. And God has given us everything we need to live victoriously in the now. What has He given us? 
You say, well, Simon, what? he's given me everything. I can, I can live victoriously right now. Second Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need. See, I'm not making this stuff up. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So what has He given us? What's all this everything we need? First of all, He's given us salvation, which is complete freedom and wholeness. That word um, that, that we get saved from or salvation, it's sozo. It means completely whole. It means completely free. Like God has blown the prison doors wide open. He really has because of what happened at the cross and we just need to walk through it. He's already done it all. Remember what He said on the cross? It is finished, paid in full. There's nothing else we can, we should be adding to that. He's done it all. And we can start to walk in that by faith. Salvation, freedom, He's given us instruction. Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of all the nations. Some people say, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. This is a really good place to start. Go and make disciples, be a part of the disciple making process. That word nations, it's probably not that good a translation. In the original, it's ethne, which we get ethnic groups from. Go and make disciples of all people, of all ethnic groups, of all subcultures of people. Go and make disciples, be a part of the disciple making process. Every single one of us, we should be excited about this. This really is how we do things and use our time for eternal value. And, And one great place to start doing that is serving in the house of the Lord. Being excited about serving because you know that when you serve someone else out of the the giftings that God has placed in in your heart, that time is never wasted. You are building eternity. Uh, I listened to, well, partially listened. Well, Christy was listening to the podcast and I sort of was sort of listening to it. Um, And and this guy was saying how, how he really sees in his church, and it's a large church, when people are serving out of duress, when they're just serving out of duty, when they just don't want to do it, but they're, oh, yeah, it's my turn to serve a church. This, you know, that, that ministry is never really going to succeed. It's no, never going to be fruitful. There's never going to be a lot of um, excitement and, and team growing there. So he just says, if you don't want to serve, just, just stop. You know, you guys can be free to just leave. Uh, but if you're passionate about it, then, then join up and serve with all your heart. And he's finding that, that his church is exploding because people are passionate about serving God and those areas of service are just going incredibly awesome. So I'm thinking about doing that for our church. And all the department leaders saying, no, don't tell people not to serve. Um, but then people will start to do it and they will be passionate about it. And you will see fruit come to that. And really, when you think about it, all of us should be passionate about it anyway. Instruction, he's he's given it to us. Direction in his word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. The word of God is living and it is active. He's given us the instruction. Uh, What about enablement? The Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. So what else does He need to give us? He's given us salvation and freedom, the opportunity to walk out of those those prison doors, instruction, direction, and enablement. What more do we really need? 
And when we say, well, God, when this happens, when you give me this, then I will do this. And he's saying, Simon, I've done it all for you. I've given you everything you need. You know, Jesus has given us everything we need to change the world for him right now. And when you think about it, what is revival anyway? Revival is when God comes and revives my heart. And revival is when God comes and revives your heart. And then we meet together as the church and we fellowship. And then God just starts to do something there because the atmosphere of faith is there. So we really don't have to wait for that glorious day when revival comes. And I believe it is coming. But maybe Jesus is saying, Simon, revival is available to you today. Starts with your heart. So, how do we make the most of the here and the now? And there's a whole lot of, uh, a lot of, lot of things that we can do. I've only got three here, but there are good three. First of all, be deliberate with your time. Again, a couple of weeks ago, I shared about making the most of our time, and it's really incredible, every single one of us has the same amount of time. Every single one of us, the same amount of 24 hours. And what are we doing with that 24 hours? I was reading an incredible story of this guy called Johnny Kim. He's a Californian, 34 years old. He became a Navy SEAL, a decorated Navy SEAL, so experienced. Then he went to university at Harvard and then he became a doctor. And then now he is a NASA astronaut. <laughs> He's 34 years old. Guess what? He's got the same amount of time as every single one of us. Maybe he's a slight overachiever. But we cannot say, well, well this dude, he's had more time because he's got exactly the same amount of time as, as the rest of us. Ephesians 5 verse 15, So be very careful how you live, not being like those with no understanding, but live honourably with true wisdom, for we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for His purposes. Be deliberate with your time. Secondly, plough up the hard ground of your heart. And we don't really hear about this much these days. In Hosea 10, 12, it says, plow up the hard ground or the fallow ground of your hearts. For now is the time to seek the Lord that He may come and shower righteousness upon you. We don't really talk about fallow ground much or what it even is. It's a farming term and, and it means ground that uh, was prepared for, for seed, but it's been neglected. And over time, um, it's just gotten hard and, um, and dry. And even when showers come, because of its hardness, um, it can't uh, be blessed by the, by the rains because the, the water just runs off it because it is too hard. And it's an incredible picture um, in the Bible of our hearts. That once upon a time, our hearts were fertile, but for whatever reason, our hearts have become hard and dry. And it's incredible, even in those uh, types of soil, not a lot of good stuff grows, but weed always, weeds always grow. You know, even our, our garden's full of weeds. I haven't planted one weed in my life. So when our hearts are neglected neglected um, and they're dry and they're hard, weeds will always grow. And there's an amazing principle in here. It says, Simon, you plow up the hard ground of your heart. 
So often we're saying, God, can you please bring breakthrough uh, to our lives? But God is saying, I want to rain showers of blessing upon your life right now. I want to see breakthrough come um, and, and restoration come and miracles come in your life right now, Simon. But it is your responsibility to look at your heart and plough it up afresh and prepare it. It's not God's responsibility. He says, Simon, this is your responsibility, Charles Finney, a classic, hundreds of years ago, said this about this very thing. Many people never seem to think about doing this. They pay no attention to their own hearts and never know whether they are doing well in their walk with the Lord or not, whether they are bearing fruit or are totally barren. When was the last time we really got alone with God seriously and said, God, show me my heart, point out anything in me that offends you and spend time making our hearts soft. And then, because God's ready to, to, to rain blessing on our lives. So plow up the hard ground of your heart. Do it now. Be de deliberate in your time. Thirdly, pray for passion. Psalm 42 verse 1 and two, as the deer pants for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. That word thirst means painfully feel want of, eagerly long for. When was the last time I was painfully wanting more of God? So this, this psalmist, he was one of those guys that has a, a revival in his heart and he's been able to say, God, I'm, I'm so passionate for you. I can't wait to be with you. And we can have that same experience. We can pray for that same passion. But then you're saying, well, Simon, I'm, I'm not thirsting for God. There was a story, a true story in the New Testament. There was a man, I think he had a sick daughter, and he's desperate for healing. And Jesus was there. And, and Jesus is saying, um, anything is possible if you believe. And this man desperately wants the miracle for his child, but he knows he's not in that place of true belief. He knows he's not in that place of, of passion. So he's saying, God, I sort of believe, but please help me overcome my unbelief. I know I should be believing, but I'm not. I've fallen short, but I want that belief back in my life again. Please help my unbelief or please deal with my unbelief. I wanna believe. And we can pray that same prayer to God for a heart revival, even though we may be dry. It goes a little bit like this. God, man, I'm not in the right place for you. I know my heart's not passionate for you, but I want to be passionate. I want to get back to how it was like when I first fell in love with you. I want to have a revival of my heart. I don't want to have a hard heart. God, please do something afresh in my life today. And if you make that your prayer, it's not going to be long until you see God start answering that in your life. So in conclusion, 2 Corinthians 6, 1-2, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvellous gift of God's king kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Don't you love that? God is saying, right now, wherever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you are doing, His salvation, His freedom, His healing and His wholeness is available for you right now. Now, 
There's a song I used to live, uh, used to love band back in the old days. Delirious, it was called. And here's a, a, a few lyrics. The winds are blowing through again, so we must follow. A people daring to believe we can change tomorrow and be the miracle of light and we won't give up the fight. Now is the time for us to shine. Shine with the face of Christ divine. No compromise for all heaven cries. Now is the time. You know, sometimes you listen to sermons and in your life and, and you pretty much don't remember hardly any of them, but you do remember a few of them. Um, it's like eating a good meal. You know it's good for you, but sometimes you can't, most of the time you can't remember what you had to eat. Um, it helps taking notes, actually, just throwing it out there. But I, I will never forget a sermon I listened to, and I think it was on TV back in those days when we used to watch TV, um, by a guy called Rick Warren. And, and it was a simple message, but man, it, it dealt with my heart that night. Uh, and it was a very, very simple message, and it was simply this. He was sort of... Um, inviting us to, to think about what it's going to be like when we meet God that day, when we stand before Him, once our race is over. And he says that, and this is hypothetical, obviously, but he said um, he's pretty sure we're going to be asked two questions. And these two questions are going to be the most important two questions we will be asked in all of our lives and all of eternity. And these are the two questions that we'll be asked by God that, that day when we stand before Him. The first, what did you do with my son? And the second is, what did you do with the time you were given? Two important questions. The first one is, what did you do with my son? Jesus came and he died on the cross and he rose again so that we could be reconciled back to God the Father so that we could have all of that guilt and shame and sin washed away so that we could be in relationship with God once again, that we could have the opportunity and be with Him in paradise forever. It is a free gift. But a lot of people having been offered that free gift, they are just gonna turn that gift away. We don't have to, you don't have to. That first question, what did you do with my son? Did we receive Jesus into our life? Have we done that? Will we do that now? Today is the day of salvation. And secondly,